Unlimited, and I trust you've had a, a really fantastic week. And uh, if not, or if you have, I, I pray that next week will be even better. Who's due for a better week next week? Okay, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of hands going up there. All right, just a few announcements before we come to the Word of God. And uh, first one is West Auckland Prayer Walk. All right. Who's excited about the prayer walk? It's, I think it's a great thing to do, isn't it? So next Saturday, and so with all the recent violence and et cetera in this area, so it's time to stand up and fight. And so as a church, we're asking everyone to prayer walk your street. All right, whatever your street is, to prayer walk it. Next, uh, next Saturday, either 11 to 11.30 or 3.30 to 4 p.m. You can pray longer if you want to, or you can do a different time, but it'd be good if we would all join together at a similar time, just a show of real strength um, next Saturday. <clears throat> and just really asking God to transform the atmosphere. And, uh, and let's, you know, we've invited the West Auckland churches to join us as well. So there should be literally thousands and thousands of people out on the streets of West Auckland next Saturday. Let's pray for fine weather as well. And let's bring transformation to our community. We're going to be using social media for this. So if you're not yet on Facebook, please, please do get on ASAP. And uh, also get on to email because we're, going to, we're using it more and more as a church. I'm putting uh, stuff on Facebook all the time, pictures, photos, quotes, different things. Uh, also, a new newsletter will soon be coming by email. So please get on to email somehow so you can keep abreast with all the information that is happening, everything that's happening here in church Unlimited. So once you're on the, your net, you can uh, search for Walk for West Auckland, or actually you can go to the Church Unlimited Facebook page. There's a whole lot more details on there. Invite your friends to the event, and also share the event. Ask them to share the event on their Facebook page as well, so we can get as many people as possible praying for West Auckland next Saturday. And on that day, please take photos of yourselves. Put them on your, um, on your Facebook, but also you can hashtag Walk for West Auckland. Okay, so I hope that all makes sense to you. Uh, it would be great to do that. Also, another special prayer meeting this Thursday night. Um, last Thursday was just such a powerful, powerful prayer meeting, and hundreds of people turned out. And so we're going to focus again on stopping the violence in our area. Tonight, tonight, tonight. Well, if you are a person who loves the Holy Spirit and uh, would like a fresh touch from heaven, Tonight is for you. Uh, Seth Forsett, Seth Forsett, got a great church in Wellington. Uh, he's being used by God around the globe through Asia. He just got back from Europe, I think, uh, yesterday or on Friday. And uh, wherever he's going, there's coming a real release of Holy Spirit power. And people are being healed, people are being slain in the Spirit, people are having encounters with God. And he's being invited back again and again and again and really, you know, stepping up in that whole area. And some people who have never been impacted by the Holy Spirit are being touched by God in a powerful, powerful way. So if you're up for it, you're ready for it, join us tonight for a life-changing night. Expect to meet with God, encounter God. There's a scripture that says, prepare to meet thy God. I said to Seth, I said, Seth, it's all yours. I said, just go for it. Let loose. Bring the Holy Spirit. Do what you can. And I'll give them full freedom to move in the Spirit tonight. So it should be a fantastic night. So come out. But come expecting. If you can, come and pray with us early at uh, 5.15. That would be great too. And just pray that God will impact you and change you and move in your life and in our church as well. It should be a fabulous, fabulous night together. 
But of course, it depends a lot on our hunger, doesn't it? And on our praying. You know, if we just turn up and say, okay, Seth, let's see what you can do, buddy. Nothing's going to happen. If you come thinking, boy, I'm going to meet God tonight. Oh, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be touched by heaven tonight. If you have that thinking, I guarantee there's a good chance something good is going to happen for you. Okay, if you've got your Bibles with you, turn there. Find your way to uh, Psalm 46. We're going to be there very shortly. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We pray, Holy Spirit, now that you will just minister powerfully through your word and by your spirit. You'll speak as only you can. Lord, we don't want just information. God, we want transformation. Lord, let your word be life-changing this morning, powerful. Let it impact us deep in our spirits. Lord, we will make such a huge difference, Father, into our lives. God, give us ears to hear, minds to concentrate, hearts to receive. Let us be good soil, Lord, that you could plant your word and cause it to bring fruit, fourth fruit, 30, 60, even 100-fold. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Evangelist J. John made a trip to India, and there he met this powerful lady who was well-known for words of knowledge. So he said to her, would you pray for me? And she immediately walked away, and he thought, oh, what on earth is going on? He thought he had offended her. Then she came back an hour later, and she had 13 very accurate words of knowledge. Who would like that? 13, imagine that. Just unfolded his life, no doubt. But then she said something that... He said he would never, ever forget. And the words were these. God likes your company and asks you to give him two hours of your time every day. He took his word very, very seriously. And I think he's endeavored to do that. I want to acknowledge R.T. Kendall and a book I read for some of the thoughts I want to share with you today. What I want to look at first is what prayer does for God. You may be thinking, well, hold on a minute. (laughs) What about what prayer does for me? That's what I'm more interested in. Well, I think we live very much in a me-centered generation. Is that right? So why don't we start God-centered? Who's excited about that? Yeah, okay. Focusing on what prayer does for God. Not what's in this for me. I'm going to go and pray now for going to 24-7 room. I'm going to spend an hour in prayer. God, you better turn up. You better break through for me. No, no, no. What's in this for God? How is this going to minister to and bless our Lord and Savior, Jesus? God sent him. And you know, if you take this approach, I want to suggest you may possibly get more answers than you have previously. Or if you have not had an answer for something you've been praying for and everything you've tried, nothing has worked, why don't you take this different approach? Because my Bible says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, uh there's going to be much more result. He'll add all things unto you. And sometimes we're just seeking first my kingdom and my needs and my problems and my issues and my, 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 my. And God says, get rid of it. (laughs) Hey, focus on what prayer can do for God. And I think the biggest thing it does for God and the hugest thing is that He likes your company. He delights in you being with Him. He loves listening to you. He never gets bored with you. I mean, some people get bored with you. But God never gets bored with you. And it doesn't matter if you can't even pray very well. If you've got hardly any faith when you pray. Even if you fall asleep when you pray, God loves your company. He likes 
you being with him and him being with you. And there's never an ounce of rejection from your God towards you. He just can't do that. You see, I love the company of my two grandkids, Emma and Zach. Even if they're not the best behaved, even if they're mischievous and they're grumbling and they drop soup on my shirt or my trousers or ice cream or something like that, even if they're grumpy and they won't do what I tell them and they just do their own things, their own thing, friends, uh, I still love their company. It doesn't matter. Why? Because they're my kids. And you are his kids. You're his children. He doesn't mind what you are like and what you behave, even if you haven't done that well uh, this week and not been that wonderful to him. He still loves your company. That's what prayer does for God. And more than that, he's no respecter of persons. In other words, our calling, our status, our position, our spiritual maturity, it makes no difference. The blood of Jesus gives us all equal access to the presence of God. He doesn't love being with me any more than he loves being with you. We are all equal in the sight of God. And not only that, friends, Nobody is at the head of the queue. You know, you might think, oh, I need to get into, get into God's presence, but hey, you know, you know, Billy Graham's in front of me, and Reynard Bonke's ahead of me, and, and uh, you know, all the famous pastors that you can think of, or spiritual leaders, or evangelists. You think, man, these holy men of God, they're all, all at the front of you. You know, Tark Barna's going to be ahead of me. No, friends. No, no. When it comes to God, you are at the front of the queue. We all are. We all are. We all have. I mean, he, can, he can entertain billions of people at one time. He can, he's got a, a queue. There's, there's, a, there's a queue for you to wait in, but guess what? You're the only one in the queue. It's an open door for every single one of us. We're all equally loved, accepted, and listened to by God. Who reckons that's good news, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Augustine said... God loves every person as if there was no one else to love. Wow. It's almost like you, you, the thing is, you, you're it. His love for you is beyond comprehension. God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. There's a lot of scriptures on that. You think, oh, you know, no, Jesus is a special son. He loves it. No, no. The Bible is clear. He loves you as much. The same love that the Father had for His Son, He has for us, because we're also His sons and daughters, and God has no favorites. Isn't that awesome? And if you're a parent, make sure you have no favorites too, because it's very damaging if you do. I think when we get to heaven, one of the things that's going to shock us and astound us is this. When we realize how much God loved us while we're on earth, it's going to shock us. We're going to think, really? God, if I'd only known that, I would have served you so much more. Yeah. Do you know think the other thing that's going to shock us? Get to heaven, realize how much God longed for our company. If we had known, we would have spent a whole lot more time praying and just getting into His presence. Our God is a wonderful, wonderful God. The number of times I've found a level of presence in our 24-7 room has often has, has astounded me and surprised me. 
I'm not sure why it happens, but every so often I get a presence in that room that I just don't get at home. And sometimes I feel that when I get there, it's like God is saying, Tuck, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you to come to the special meeting place with me. And sometimes he just touches my heart. And, you know, I remember once a while ago, I was got in there. I couldn't even pray. I just, presence was just there. I just, I just worshipped and thanked God the whole time. What prayer does for God, he loves your company. Amen. I want to suggest for some of you, hey, he's just waiting for you. He's waiting for you to turn up. Anytime, any day, any place. Why don't you surprise him with a visit? Wouldn't that be cool? It's gone incredibly quiet in this place. What did I say? What's upset everybody? I'll just keep going as though you're okay, that you're just deep in meditation, reflection, receiving the unadulterated word of God deep in your spirit, and you're being so impacted that you can hardly smile. That's what I'm going to assume. It's almost like God saying, Tuck, I really love it when you come to this place to meet with me, spend time with me. The reason I'm <clears throat> preaching this message is very serious. And the reason is this, that there's come a lull in prayer in this church. There's less people in 24-7 than ever before. Less people in our prayer meetings on Thursday night. And in 25 years I've been here, I don't think that's ever happened. It's pretty scary, isn't it? This church is built on prayer and fasting. It's why we've done what we've been able to do. It's why you see what you see here today. It's prayer is the engine room. It's been driving this church, driving this church, driving this church. To see a drop off in that is, is, it's, it's got my attention. And that's what I want, why I want to address it and to, to pray about it and to, you know, talk to a preacher's a message on this because it's so important because right now I believe as a church we're in a very important stage you know, doors are opening across the globe for us. You know, the, 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 the ministries of this church, is just, it's just God is on the move in a, in a tremendous way, and a lot of wonderful things are happening. But the thing we need to understand is this, is when God is active, so is the devil. And I think the drop in prayer is a work of the devil. It's a work of Satan. He, he's got to stop this machine from continuing to rampage through the powers of darkness and bring awakening and bring, you know, the God's, God's presence and, and blessing in, in so many lives and so many places. And it's almost like the devil said, I've got to stop this. I've got to stop this. How can I stop this? What can I do? So what he's doing, he's targeting our prayers. He's targeting your prayers. And he's thinking to himself, I, I'll, I'll do everything I can. I'll move heaven and earth or whatever, everything I can. I've got to stop this church praying. But he's not going to win, church. He's not going to stop us. He may have knocked us a little bit for uh, this season, it's been happening for about three or four months now, and, uh, but he's not going to win at the end. We will rise up as a church and pray, but I want to encourage you, please, 
You know, if you can, get into 24-7, even for the next season. Just, just do what you can. Just put in an extra slot or two or get in there for the first time. If you've never been to a Thursday night prayer meeting, please come again and join with us. And, and let's just ramp up the prayer in this place and let's see what God will do. But see, when the devil is, as God is active, the devil's active. And I want to suggest, if you're, if you're struggling with some stuff more than you normally would right now, I want to suggest it's because God is wanting to do some good things and the enemy is upset about it. Let me share with you what happened with me in, in, uh, recently in Fiji. I was speaking there, and I was, I was to close the final night of the women's conference, and it was kind of just became a chaotic meeting. When I finally got up to preach, I just couldn't get into the zone. My, it was, just fell flat, and uh, the whole thing just ended uh, on, a, on a pretty disappointing note. And I remember going back to my hotel and thinking, wow, that was a, you know, after things going so well, that was a real bomber. And, uh, and then I suddenly clicked. I thought... The Holy Spirit just alerted me, and he said, and it's almost like he said to me, said to me, there's two very big, important meetings on Sunday, that, and this meeting was on the Saturday night, and it's almost like I began to realize that the enemy had come in and attacked me because he knew that God wanted to do something the next day. So I began to think, watch out, Suva. I am on my way, armed and dangerous. And guess what? God moved powerfully. We had, you know, overseas two of the biggest meetings I've probably been in in terms of in, in, in a church situation. One had 3,000 people, the other had 4,000 people. There were heaps of people saved. It was just amazing. But I realized that the enemy was starting to attack. Friends, remember this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not the issue. If you're starting to look at people, you're just making a serious mistake. It's behind that. There are powers, there's forces of darkness that are arrayed against you to stop you, block you, and hinder you. But God is bigger than the devil. And he always has the final say. When we gather together to pray, sometimes you don't think about this. It's so important to God. You know, most some of us think, oh, well, I pray it by myself at home. And that's good, and you should. But, you know... The Bible didn't say your house, your home should be a house of prayer. It should be, but he didn't say that. What he said was, my church, this place, when we gather, should be a house of prayer. That in church, the thing that you should do more than anything else is pray. Not, not listen to the word, not, not fellowship, not, not worship, but pray. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And, and it's so important to God that he, he baits us with two things. <laughs> Firstly, he says, if two or more are gathered in my name, hey, I tell you, I'm going to be in the midst. I'm going to turn up. He didn't say when you and God are on your own, he's going to turn up. I mean, he does, but he said, no, no, there's something special about when two or more are gathered in my name. And then not only that, he said, hey, if two agree as touching anything, it shall be done. I want to suggest to you, some of your answers will never be some of your prayers will never be answered until you humble yourself and join with someone else and say, hey, man, I need you to pray with me in my situation that I can get through. I remember a number of years ago when I was at previous church, I, I came under severe attack and, and some things were done and all the rest of it. And uh, so I, as soon as it happened, I immediately went to the office of another pastor and I said, pray for me. And he immediately prayed for me and the whole attack was instantly dispelled. But I remember then if I had not gone and asked for that prayer, I reckon I would have suffered for weeks or months. When two agree, it's touching anything. See, it takes humility and God resists the proud, but he lifts up the humble. Okay, so it's good to pray with others and get, uh, get in, into prayer meetings and come on Thursday nights as you can. Spurgeon puts it this way, prayer pulls a rope down below and the great bell rings above in the ears of the Lord. Some scarcely stir the bell. 
They pray so languidly, others give only an occasional jerk at the rope. But he who communicates with heaven is a man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. He also said prayer itself is an art only the Holy Spirit can teach us. So pray that the Holy Spirit will teach you. Pray until you can really pray. Ask God to help you to teach you to pray. Never underestimate also, though, the value of quick prayers. A prayer in crisis, or we're on the move, and we've all done this. We suddenly just throw up a prayer to God. I was uh, coming back from Fiji recently and uh, got to the airport, waiting for my bags to go, and one part of my baggage did not arrive. Don't you hate it when that happens? So I'm sitting there waiting, waiting for this bag to come, and, you know, sometimes I'm pretty thick and don't think uh, through very quickly, and so I waited for about half an hour, and then I thought, oh, I should pray about this. Why did I wait so long? So I thought, if I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray a decent prayer. So I said, God, please, I'm your son, your servant, you love me. Would you please have my bags here in two minutes? <laughs> Guess what? Two minutes, the bags were at my feet. <laughs> Psalm 46. Let's go there. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In other words, he's there all the time ready to help you. God's okay with quick prayers. He doesn't say, you can't talk to me now. Or he doesn't say, excuse me, haven't seen you for a long time. What's your name? <laughs> yeah, no, no, he doesn't do that. You think he might. Or he, might, he doesn't say, hey, how come you only turn to me when you're in trouble? God's not like that. In fact, he uses trouble to help you turn to him. It's just the way it works. John Wesley said God does nothing but an answer to prayer. I'm, I'm not sure that's 100% true because sometimes God does do things when people haven't prayed. But I, for one, I take note of Wesley's comments. It helps me to pray more because, I, I, because if I don't pray, I will certainly limit the activity of God in my life, my family, my community, my circumstances. If I don't pray, I limit the activity of God in my life and circumstances. So why would I not pray? It's like if I decide, oh, well, God, I, I don't think I'll pray today. So what, what I'm really saying to God is, God, sorry, you can't work in my circumstances today. Please don't sort out these problems and difficulties and struggles. No, no, God, I, I resist your activity in my life today. I think I can get through on my own. That's what we're doing, friends, when we don't pray. It's so serious. And, and then we wonder, oh, that went wrong, that went wrong, that went wrong. God, what a terrible day. And at the end of the day, you cry out to God, say, oh, God, what a terrible day, please help me. He's probably saying, well, why don't you ask for my help at the beginning of the day, and I'll be there for you. Don't limit, let's not limit God's activity in our lives. It's the most precious and wonderful thing. Okay, let's look at what prayer does for others. You know, we can pray for ourselves, right? But we can pray for others. Praying for others is intercession. And that's what Jesus and the Holy Spirit do for us. So let's go now to Hebrews 7 and verse 25, this wonderful passage of Scripture about Jesus praying for you. Therefore, 
He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So Jesus is always interceding for you, for other people. Romans 8, 26. Let's go there. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we ought to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you know that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are always praying for you? Is that good news? And they're always praying for you. So it's intercession. Now, intercession is unselfish, really unselfish, because the focus is on others. And when we do this, we become less selfish, we become more selfless. And so our focus, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. One of the best things you can do is pray for other people, to pray for another person, pray for the unsaved, pray for your church, your friend, your enemy, the community, pray for the nation. And this I call big league praying. Why? Because it's what Jesus and the Holy Spirit do. They pray and intercede for others all the time. And when you start getting into that room at Realm of Praying, you are really entering into prayer. It's a powerful thing. And when you tell someone that you're praying for them, they will be hugely encouraged. Paul would tell the Philippians and Ephesians and, and those at Rome that he was praying for them. 2 Timothy 1 verse 3, he told Timothy, without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Imagine how Timothy felt knowing the apostle Paul was praying for him on a regular basis. And he also said the same to Philemon in 1 verse 4. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. However, there are some people that will never know that you prayed for them this side of eternity because you're just not going to tell them. You haven't told them. These people I pray for, they would never have no idea I pray for them. Not even in this church. But when we get to heaven, they'll realize I prayed for them. It's something private between me and God or between you and God. But I want to suggest something to you right now that you may not have thought about for a long, long time. And maybe you've been praying so much and it's just not happening I want to suggest that there's a possible key that you may have missed. Turn with me to Job, chapter 42, verse 10, for one of the most amazing keys to breakthrough that I've ever read about. Job 42 and verse 10 says this. And the Lord restored Job's losses. Have you had losses? Hmm? God restored Job's losses when, everyone say when, yeah, he prayed for his friends. Now, <clears throat> it says friends there, but these guys were rascals. They had been his friends, but they gave him a really, really hard time because of all that was going on in his life. They were blaming Job for it and said, hey, Job, it's you know, all because you have A, B, and C and sinned and done wrong, and therefore this is happening to you. And so for Job to then go and pray for these friends of his who were really his enemies was really out there praying. But the Bible says that when he did that, God worked in his situation, gave him a mighty breakthrough, and it says Job, indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. I want to encourage you to find someone who's maybe going through something similar to you're going through and pray your heart out for them. I want to encourage you Maybe stop praying for yourself for a season. Put it in this book and say, okay, God, I'm handing this over to you. I've prayed about this for the last three months or six months or six years. God, I'm just going to commit that into you. I'm going to focus now my prayers on others and watch what God may just do. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God. 
Seek first the blessing of others. And God is very likely to work something powerful in your life. You see, often I've noticed in the kingdom of God, you have to do the opposite to what you want to do. So your finances are really struggling. You say, oh, God, God, I need to receive. I need to receive financial blessing. God says, give. The opposite. You're saying, oh, God, you know, I need to reap. I need to reap your favor. I need to reap your blessing. God says, so. Do the opposite. And so, friends, sometimes when we're going through crisis, we are so consumed with our situation. We pray for it like crazy. And we can barely pray for anything else. But I wonder whether that may sometimes actually be a hindrance to God coming through for you. That what we need to do is the opposite. And pray for others. Forget about our situation and focus on God and others and see if that doesn't release God's mighty power to work on your half and bring you a great breakthrough. The last thing is, what can prayer do for our community, our nation? With four recent murders, road death, domestic violence, death in one of the local schools, the only way we can change our community is through prayer. And I'm thankful to God for the wonderful, wonderful prayer meeting that we had on Thursday night where people turned out passionate to pray. I mean, they came to lift their voices and seek the Almighty. And uh, it was just a tremendous time. And so we're going to repeat it again on this Thursday night. And just want to ask you and encourage you, if you can possibly join us, 6 till 7 p.m., that will be great. Also to join us on Saturday, uh, 11 to 11.30 or 3.30, 4 p.m. And let's just uh, really cry out to God for our community. Pray against the violence, the bullying, the drug abuse, alcohol abuse. Pray against suicide and just release God's presence and power into our region. Even if you don't live in West Auckland, I encourage you to prayer walk your street next Saturday and make a difference. Prayer walk it so that you don't have to get in our situation where you actually have to prayer walk it. You may still have a peaceful area, but it's good to keep the enemy at bay. West Auckland churches have been invited to join us, so there should be thousands of people out on the streets this Sunday. It'd be great to see if there was Saturday, great to see if there was 10,000 people. It would be fantastic. <clears throat> but when you start to pray like we did on Thursday night, you've got to believe things start to happen. God starts to move. I'm going to share a couple of things that will probably surprise you and one may astound you. So open both ears and listen, please. So we prayed on Thursday night, really invading the atmosphere, asking God to move on our behalf. First thing that happens is the next day, <clears throat> the door opens for us to have an article in the Western Leader with a photo promoting our West Auckland prayer walk on the Saturday. Isn't it amazing that even the non-believers are getting excited about what we're going to do? Incredible, isn't it? And so for that door to open was just, I thought, God, when we pray, heaven starts to move. Things start to shift. You begin to <clears throat> open doors and make a way for us. If that wasn't enough, on Saturday night, last night, about 6 or 7 o'clock, I'm not sure what time it was, in the evening, I received in my email 
this amazing prophecy that's been out there for, I think, a decade or more that I'd never heard about. When I read through it, I was stunned. I thought, I don't, I don't believe what I'm reading here. This, this is, God, this is outrageous. It was a vision had by a, <clears throat> a godly man that served the Lord faithfully and had a good reputation. So this is authentic. And he was not one who had visions. In fact, he only ever had one. Somehow when a person only ever had one, you sort of tend to take more note of it. Isn't that true? It's just one of those things. And so this is it. I'll share it with you. He was camping in the Bay of Islands and had just finished his devotional time with God when he had this following vision. He found himself walking the main street of Henderson, just where the murder took place, the main street. He found himself, this is the vision a decade or more ago, walking the main street of Henderson, a place he knew well because he used to live there. He doesn't live there anymore. As he walked past the BNZ, which you know where that is, toward the main intersection, a woman coming towards him suddenly dropped down on her knees with tears streaming down her face. He instantly knew what was happening. So he went up to her and explained that she was being convicted by the Spirit of God and to call on the name of Jesus and be saved. As he was doing this, the same thing happened to others on the footpath of the main street of Henderson and on the pedestrian crossings. Soon the intersection was blocked by people either kneeling or lying on the ground weeping before God. Cars could not get past as drivers were getting out to see what was happening. As they got out, they also went under the power of God, so couldn't get back in and move their cars. Pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? The man then moved among these people, all kneeling, lying, praying, weeping, explained to him what was happening. He asked other Christians to come and help him. Then a policeman came up to him and said, you can't preach here to these people. You're blocking the whole intersection. So he said to the policeman, he said, I'm only explaining what God is doing. And at that point, the policeman went down under the power of Almighty God. The vision faded away. But he said that that vision is as clear to him today as it was a decade or more when we had it. I want to tell you that's one of the keys to knowing something's really from God. It stays. You know, people who have been to heaven 20 years ago, they can recall the whole thing as if it was yesterday because it's something that's imprinted into their spirit by God himself. And so I, I, would, I would suggest that this is a vision for God. And he says, even though he's no longer in West Auckland, he's still waiting to see its fulfillment. Let's just think, shall we, together for a while. Last few weeks, incredible disasters, murders, violence, all kinds of stuff happening in West Auckland. So we decide we're going to gather together to pray. Next day, the Western leader contacts us and to promote our prayer walk throughout West Auckland. I've been here 25 years. Then on the Saturday after the prayer meeting, before Sunday in our prayer walk, I get sent a prophecy of a vision that's been out there for 
over a decade, but it comes at exactly this point in time. Do you think God is trying to say, Tark, I am in control. I've got, this under, I've got this all sorted out, and I'm working on your behalf. But what I'm asking that you do with your people is pray. You see, friends, a vision is great, but it's not automatic. Just because someone had a vision doesn't mean it's going to happen. There comes, you get a vision, then there comes a responsibility. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Yes, we've got the Western leader promoting us. Yes, we've got the prophecy sent to us at the exact appointed time. And that's God's part. But friends, our part, we must rise up now. We must pray and we must seek the face of God like we have not done before. Unless God is saying, hey, if basically he's saying, if you will pray, I will move and we'll cleanse the atmosphere and West Auckland will be the best region in New Zealand to live in. It'll be the most peaceful, the most godly. If, if, if. You will pray. If I will pray, we can change the atmosphere of our community. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But, everyone say, but. but. I found no one. There was a time in Israel's history where God was wanting to intervene in all the disasters that were taking place. So he searched across the face of the globe and he searched for someone who would pray. He looked for a man. He looked for those who would stand in the gap on behalf of his beloved nation that he would not have to destroy it, that the forces of darkness would not take over. And tragically, we read those words, but he found no one. There were not people that would rise up and pray, and so the enemy was not held back. Friends, can I say this? And this is not to put fear among us, but West Auckland can get a whole lot worse than it is today. A whole lot worse, friends. And if it does, God help your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Friends, the hour has come, and the responsibility has fallen on you and me. This is our time of destiny. This is when we can determine the future of West Auckland. This is where we can shape what will happen in this nation, in this community, in the next five years, 10 years, 10, 30 years, 40 years. But if we do not pray, God help us and help the generations that are to come. But I am confident that Church Unlimited and others will rise to the challenge. We will pray. We will seek his face. We will drive back the enemy. We will transform West Auckland, and there will be a mighty revival from the, the streets of Henderson right across the region of West Auckland, hopefully spreading into Auckland, the nation, and then the nations of the world. It is time to pray. It is time to rise up in God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? We we are more than conquerors through him who loved us in Jesus' name. Amen. As the musicians would run to the stage and join us here, please. Because we're going to sing in just a moment, once these running musicians get here, to how great is our God. Who reckons our God is great? 
greater than the enemy, greater than the powers of darkness, greater than all the evil in the world. Let's stand together, please. Don't leave us yet because we've still got a bit of business to do as we wrap it up for today. How great is our God.